Thank you. Hi, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me back. Um, I was here, I think it was maybe around six months ago, uh, and that was the first time I had ever preached in front of anybody, and um, y'all were so gracious to me, and I really appreciate that. It's been a wild six months uh, since then. My husband and I kind of almost sort of started planting a house church, and so then I was like preaching every other Sunday, so I got a couple more under my belt coming into this one, but um, looking around, there's like twice as many people here as there was the last time I was here, so good job, First Pres Griffin, you're bringing the people in, this is awesome, um, you're growing, this is so cool. So I uh, was kind of struggling to come up with a personal story to share because I know all the good preachers have sort of like a personal story that they kind of, a little anecdote that they put in at the beginning. And God was so gracious to me to give me an example by giving me pneumonia this week. You know, I mean, I might have preferred something different, but, but here we are. And so the, <laughs> it's funny. So I went to urgent care on Friday and they're like, yes, it's pneumonia. And the doctor then proceeded to prescribe me five different drugs to take. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a lot. But he kind of explained which ones were necessary, which ones were like as needed. And he said, I'm putting in this other one because recent studies have shown that the, the duration of the illness will be shortened for you if I add this, this other one in. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. And the doctor, I mean, I don't want to make the assumption, but he appeared older than I am. So I don't think he graduated medical school like in the last year, right? But he's quoting this recent study, and so I am grateful that he took the time to, like, stay up on what, you know, the proper treatments might be for an illness instead of just sticking with what he learned in medical school and leaving it at that. Um, and so I was also grateful that he knew he had that basis of knowledge from medical school from which to kind of discern, okay, this study says this, is this appropriate in every situation? Is it not? And he was able to then prescribe for me, in my current state, the best, the best regimen to go forward. And so I think that that discernment was something that he then, you know, kind of established over time for himself as a doctor. And just in case you think this story is going to be leading into me talking about how Jesus, you know, his statement that he came to save the sick, it's not. But bless you for knowing your scripture. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe that's where we're going, right? Um, no, I actually was hoping to build on the sermon series that y'all just came out of in, in rhythms a little bit. And I didn't know it when Austin asked me to come that that's what he would be doing, but at that time, I definitely felt a specific word that God wanted me to share, and as I kind of either streamed or we were here two weeks ago and all of that, I was like, oh, Lord, I see you working. I see how this, this ties in. This is so cool that you're doing this, and so hopefully you will see that um, here too. Austin has talked about the rhythms of, of Sabbath, of prayer, fellowship, worship, and last week talking about crafting a rule of life. Those, those rhythms help us establish and enhance and enforce our personal relationship with Jesus and his church. Last week when he was speaking about crafting a rule of life, he uh, 
kind of dipped into a little bit of something that's called the Shema. And the Shema was and, and is the centerpiece of daily prayers for Jews even today. It's considered by some the most essential prayer in all of Judaism. And we find the whole of the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. If you don't know this term Shema, that's okay. Uh, you'll probably still recognize this. It says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving to you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Do you see the rhythms just built into this? God gave them the command to love him with all their hearts, soul, and strength. And then he also gave them the rhythms with which to do it. You memorize God's word. You, you store it in your heart. Scripture memorization can be one of those rhythms that you incorporate. You repeat what you've learned, whether it be scripture or how God has transformed you. You repeat that to your kids. You talk about, them at diff talk about God at different points in the day, even and especially outside of your house, right? You're, you're putting these on the doorposts of your house so it's seen out there and on your city gates so people will know. These parts of the Shema are incorporated into the rhythms that Austin has been talking about. These are essential, essential to build a firm foundation so that, so that we can share with the next generation and with each other the things God has done. We fill our cup with God's word and his presence prayerfully. We must prioritize these rhythms to be able to better love God with our hearts and our souls and our minds and our strength. And we can't just establish these rhythms to cultivate a personal relationship with God. We can't establish these for a more fruitful fellowship among the church and stop there. And here's why. Though we find the Shema in the Old Testament, it also serves as the foundation for the New Testament's greatest commandment. Jesus affirms this in Matthew 22 when he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we focus entirely on our personal or church development, we miss a big part of what God is asking of us. In the Shema, it made sense for God to tell the people to repeat the commands to their children because God's covenant was with the people of Israel. But now, God's covenant that was sealed with the blood of Jesus, that tore the veil in two, that gave those of us who believe victory over sin and death, requires something a little different. The Great Commission, found at the end of Matthew 28, says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Aha. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. That sounds a lot like the command to repeat the laws to the children, to talk about them in the everyday rhythms of life. Okay, so now we will get kind of to the big chunk, the bulk of our text for today. Uh, we're going to find that in Acts 10, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. It's going to be this like second half of Acts 10. Pick it up at the, the end of verse 23. Uh, we will see how Peter, utilizing some of the rhythms that Austin has talked about, then approaches this great commission. All right, picking up at the end of 23, it says, The next day he got up and set out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with him. The following day he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up, I myself am also a man. While talking with him, he went in and found a large gathering of people. Peter said to them, You know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner, but God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for. So may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius replied, Four days ago at this hour, at three in the afternoon, I was praying in my house. Just then a man in dazzling clothing stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your acts of charity have been remembered in God's sight. Therefore, send someone to Joppa and invite Simon here, who is also named Peter. He is lodging in Simon the Tanner's house by the sea. So I immediately sent for you, and it was good of you to come. So now we are all in the presence of God to hear everything you have been commanded by the Lord. Peter began to speak. Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism. But in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He sent the message to the Israelites, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know the events that took place throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did in both the Judean country and in Jerusalem. And yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised up this man on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us whom God appointed as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify, testify about him, that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Got a little more to go here. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and declaring the greatness of God. Then Peter responded, Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized? 
who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then, he asked, then they asked him to stay for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. So a little context on this passage will tell us that just prior to this, Peter had a vision from God which revealed to him that the lines between clean and unclean, pure and impure, were different now in light of Jesus' resurrection. Peter was up on the roof to pray. Like the model Jesus set for him, Peter retreated for quiet prayer. This is a good rhythm to have. He was also told in his vision to go with the strange men who just showed up at his house, and so he went to the house of a Roman military commander. Uh, What? Yeah. Like, who says no to God? But also, maybe you would take pause, right? If they're like, hey, why don't you go to, like, your biggest enemy right now? Just, Just go there. I'd be like, well, are you sure, right? So one of the first things that we see in this passage is Peter asks why he was summoned. Cornelius repeats his own spiritual revelation to Peter and says, so I immediately sent for you, and it was good of you to come. So now we are all in the presence of God to hear everything you have been commanded by the Lord. You can tell the Spirit is working here because these are the words that he's using. He's basically saying, hey, can you great commission us? Can you teach us the things that God has commanded you, right? Cornelius is all in. He doesn't even know what he has signed up for, and he is like the most excited new convert ever, and he's determined to kind of wrap his mind around what he has signed up for. (coughs) Excuse me. He accidentally worships Peter as answer to prayer, right? And, And And Peter's like, no, 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 that's not me, right? And so then Cornelius is like, okay. And everybody that's gathered there just sort of settles in and is ready to listen to Peter. And it's it's amazing to me this gospel message, right, that Peter gives to Cornelius and everyone that is gathered there. It's it's stunning. And it's so powerful that as he's like ending... The Holy Spirit descends upon everyone there, Jew and Gentile. And then Peter baptizes everyone. So we can see, right, in that Great Commission, how this, how this comes about, how, how Peter is living this out. He goes, right, therefore go. He goes to Cornelius. He teaches the crowd that's gathered there the gospel message. And then he baptizes them in the Spirit. I mean, You could even argue the Spirit baptizes them in the Spirit because the Spirit has descended there, right? So this this image of of going and and spreading the gospel and baptizing people and and teaching them, this is that, we we kind of have that image for a, a missionary, right? The Great Commission, a missionary is someone who goes and does this. But I really want to make sure we are not missing something important here. The main imperative in the Great Commission is actually to make disciples. It's not the word go. It's make disciples. Some of us here may have, may have learned it this way, but I think a lot of us kind of focus on that go part of it as the must do. The, the Greek is actually clearer than the English, if you know Greek. I mean, it's still Greek to me, right? But it's 
the original disciples were told to make disciples, and they would do so by baptizing them and teaching them to obey Jesus' commands. The go part is this kind of unique qualifier. It's like there's two words before the word participle to explain what this word go means in the thing. I, I love grammar, but I won't bore y'all with that. It's, it's better translated as you are going. Making disciples is the what. Baptizing and teaching is the how. And as you are going is the when. Sometimes God may ask you to really go like a foreign missionary. But I wonder for how many of us he's asking us to be more involved in disciple-making as we are going about our day-to-day lives here in Griffin or wherever y'all might live, right? How are we to make disciples as we are going about our households? How are we to make disciples as we are going about our workplaces? as we are going about our school days. We see in our story that Peter stays with Cornelius and crew for a few days. I I can't imagine that the gospel message prior to baptism is the only thing Peter ever shared with these folks if he was living with them for a couple days after, right? The part in the Great Commission about teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you I wonder if Cornelius and his family, his household, the neighbors who were, like, involved in this, you know, I wonder if they had a crash course on what obeying Jesus' commands really looked like while Peter was with them. Even Peter's gospel presentation that he shared was peppered with his personal witness. It wasn't, like, memorized from Scripture. It wasn't just kind of a rote thing. We don't have the same exact literal eyewitness of Jesus walking among us, but we all have our own stories about how Jesus has transformed us. Who needs to hear your story as you are going? The Great Commission tells us to make disciples, not just be disciples. And the way we make disciples is by baptizing and teaching. It doesn't say preaching, okay? So this Great Commission is not solely the job of a pastor or preacher. Mm -mm, Nope. It says teaching them to obey, to observe the commands Jesus has given to us. Okay, let's bring this back to rhythms, what it means for us today, and why I'm glad the doctor on Friday keeps up with his education. We talk about God here in the walls of this church. We do. We talk about his holiness. We talk about his awesomeness, his power, his healing, all of that. Many of us even talk about him when we sit, when we walk, when we lie down. Just like the Israelites prioritized those rhythms to be able to better love God with all their hearts, their souls, their strength, we will prioritize the rhythms Austin has been preaching on to us to be able to to better love God with our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength. And some more good news is that these are rhythms that you can incorporate as you are going. We are people of the new covenant. 
And Jesus tells us the greatest commandment also includes loving our neighbor as ourselves. Do you see how simple God made that for us? We don't have to go far to make disciples. We can love our neighbor as we are going. I know many of you have uh, been participating in some personal discipleship uh, development here in the mornings before you come. You're working through one of Pete Cazero's books. Uh, I love that. He's fantastic for that. And I really want you to remember that the knowledge, that the transformation that you're receiving, whether in that class or just in your day-to-day, all of that, the knowledge and the transformation for you as a disciple of Christ is for you and for those around you. My urgent care doctor made professional development a priority, and his patients are better for it. I know some of you are probably in professions or were in professions where continuing education is a requirement of your profession. I know it happens for teachers. I know it happens for accountants. I know it happens for insurance people. And I'm sure there are tons more. Do the articles that they read, do the seminars that they attend help them personally? Yes, absolutely. It helps them to do their job better but it doesn't stop there. The continuing education serves others too. It serves their patients, it serves their students, it serves their clients. So, brothers, sisters, friends, we need to start seeing ourselves as practitioners as well. We are practitioners of Christianity. Yes, we are Christians and we can name that, we can claim that, like that, is who you are. You are a Christian. But it doesn't stop with like that. Like it's not just, you know, me and Jesus or me and the church. You have to live out your Christianity. You have to practice it. You are a practitioner of Christianity. So, all of our Bible study, all of our prayer time, all of the sermons that we have listened to, all of the rhythms that we incorporate, the knowledge we fill our head with, because we are Presbyterians, all of it serves us well. But it also informs, or should be informing, our practice of Christianity. It helps us not just love God, but to love our neighbor as well. Peter did not keep his personal relationship with Christ to himself. He shared his experience with Cornelius. Again, we may be a little bit jealous of Peter for getting that, like, personal, firsthand, like, could touch Jesus, like, experience. But we're, like, we don't see him, but we do get that kind of experience even now. You don't have to travel even like Peter did. You can share this stuff that you've learned. You can share your transformation with your neighbor. Disciple-making is not meant to be a church program, but it is meant for church people, okay? Disciple-making is not meant to be a church program. It's meant for church people. It's meant to be one-on-one. It's meant to be maybe one-on-two. The disciple-making that is most 
most transformative happens on a small scale, very small scale, with ordinary Christians. It's not this on a Sunday. I love being here. I love sharing this word with you, and, I, and it may take hold for some of you, but it's really, truly a life-on-life -life thing that is going to have a far more transforming effect on you than my words or Austin's words from up here. Being a new covenant disciple means you are a disciple maker as well. Do not be overwhelmed to start somewhere. Maybe hearing this after hearing about rhythms, you're like, this is a really long checklist, lady, okay? I'm just trying to, like, read my Bible for an extra 10 minutes a day. Good, good. Start somewhere. And when you're ready, the Spirit will nudge you. It may not be a vision like Peter, but it could be. And if it is, will you please share that with me? Because I want to hear about it. <laughs> but when you're ready, you can even share your experience of why establishing that rhythm was hard for you. Why you kept it up. What you experienced, how you saw God show up for you in that time with someone else in an intentional relationship. It's the intentional relationship that will make a disciple. As you establish your rule of life, as you establish the rhythms that cultivate that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, don't forget to share it intentionally with others. Build in the rhythm of intentionally connecting with someone who is not as mature in their faith as you are. This most especially includes those with no experience of Jesus. I loved hearing that prayer today for those who are not yet saved, who do not know salvation. Invite whoever that person is that I know if you, really, if you really thought about it, the Spirit will bring a person to mind for you. Invite that person to dinner. Invite them into a relationship with you. For you are a practitioner of Christianity. And when it makes sense, when the relationship is there, then you can let them hear everything that you have been commanded by the Lord. What have you learned what have you experienced? How have you been transformed by God that burns within you to share with someone else? I know there's something in there. What is that thing that you might be kind of scared because you think it sounds silly? Listen, the cross sounds foolish to people who are perishing, right? It sounds like foolishness, but we know that it is not Who is already in your life, as you are going, that you could show what it has meant for you to obey Jesus, like the Great Commission asks of us? I love the local church. I especially love this church and wish it was not 45 minutes away from my house. It, I, I truly do love the local church. There is such transformation and discipleship, and disciple-making that can occur in the local church. But I am so sad that there are so many people who will never come to church even if invited. They just won't come in the church doors. But I don't know a lot of people who will turn down an invitation for coffee or dinner. By all means, invite people to church. I, 
it's great. But don't let that be a substitute for inviting them into relationship with you. You are more likely to have a real impact on their life than any pastor or preacher. Talk to them while you're sitting. Talk to them when you're walking. You here, church, you are a church of disciples who is twice as big as the last time I was here. So you are primed. Y'all, all you practitioners of Christianity out there, you are primed to make disciples of Jesus. And the majority of your disciple-making will happen outside these walls. Outside these walls. And all of your disciple-making will happen as you are going. All right? Let's pray. Ooh, God. Uh... Personally, I am very thankful for the prednisone. I really don't know that I would have been up here without it. And I really, really wanted to share this message. And so I'm so grateful that you saw fit for me to be here to share this message. I do love this church, Lord, and I see what you are doing in this church. And I know it's not just Austin. I know it's not. I've heard from so many of you how empowered you feel to go out and share Jesus with other people. Lord, be with these people as they are going. Nudge them to maybe just share a little bit more to invite someone into relationship with them. Everything that they are learning, whether in prayer, whether in practice, whether in study, use it for your glory, God. You are the reason we are here. You are the reason we want to reach out to other people. We would love for the church to be overflowing. But that doesn't mean we have to all be packed in the building. Help us go. And as we are going, help us to make disciples by simply sharing parts of our life that you have transformed, God. Be with each and every one of us this next week until we can gather together and fill up again to go out and share your love with others. Lord, we thank you so much that you chose each and every one of us to be a part of this family. Help us to lean on one another when it seems difficult to reach out to others. Help us to build one another up that we may go and love and serve others in your name. I pray this in the powerful precious and holy name of Jesus Christ.